Welcome to Confidently Uncertain. My name is Erica Lascala, and I'm your host for this podcast, a podcast that discusses all things fashion forecasting. It's incredibly difficult to predict trends years in advance with many factors affecting all stages of the forecasting process. But with all of the uncertainty that comes with trend prediction, you must be able to report it confidently. With all the answers still up in the air, we're going to be talking to industry professionals to get them for you. This is Confidently Uncertain. Hi everyone, welcome back to Confidently Uncertain. Our guest for this episode has worked her way up in the buying sector at Holt Renfrew since 2015. Paige Peak started as a buying intern, moving to assistant buyer, and is now an associate buyer. Retail buyers have an extremely important role in the fashion industry. Fashion buyers must stay on top of trends to ensure the retail space they're working for is stocked with trendy, up-to-date pieces that they know the consumer will buy and the store will be able to sell. In this episode, we will discuss the role of the fashion buyer and how they make buying decisions based on factors that occur in the world currently and what they predict will happen in the future. So welcome, Paige. How are you? Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm well. I'm excited to be here. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about you and your fashion journey so far. Of course. So, you know, I have a very interesting story because, you know, as a child, I knew that I wanted to be in the industry, which is pretty interesting and different to a lot of my peers in my current industry. So knowing that I went full speed ahead and like knew I wanted to go to Ryerson, knew I wanted to take the fashion communications program, which I did. Um, And from there, that led to a lot of different opportunities, which my whole philosophy in regarding to my career and learning is to try as many possible things to give myself both a macro and micro perspective on the industry and will ultimately help me in whatever I ended up doing. So with that, I took my first internship at Holt Renfrew um, and it was in cosmetics and gift and gourmet, which was a really exciting business to be a part of. It really just like threw me in and it's very much a sink or swim environment. So that was my first step. Then from there, I met, you know, I made a ton of connections and started, you know, took my next step, which was in graphic design. I did an internship there, um, worked with some really cool brands and did PR and that kind of side of things. And then realized that that wasn't necessarily what was for me. So then went actually down the editorial route. I worked as an intern at the kit for editorial in beauty, which again, kind of like coincided with my internship in cosmetics. Um, and I loved it. I love that side of the industry. And then, you know, while I was doing that internship, it was really interesting. Holtz actually called me back and asked me to work part-time while I was in school, being an assistant buyer for their gift shop, holiday shop, and H project, which is their sustainable like CS our initiative. So I was kind of juggling a lot of different things, but that ultimately led me down the path of buying. Buying is a very difficult thing to get into. It's very specific and you need to have experience to get into it for the most part. So I'm very grateful for those opportunities. And then from there, I went and did a summer program in Paris just to learn even more about luxury fashion. It was in luxury brand management. And while I was out there, I an opportunity again came my way. It's so crazy how every Everything just truly like happens the way that it's meant to. And I was offered an assistant buyer position at Holt Renfrew for women's handbags. So I did that for quite a while and really like sunk my feet in and just did everything that I possibly could to progress, definitely have an ambitious like nature. And then ultimately ended up in my current role, which is associate buyer for women's shoes, which is very exciting. I've done both handbags and shoes. So it's like every girl's dream. And yeah, I maintain a really interesting portfolio and yeah, it's 
definitely an interesting career. Lots of travel involved and it's busy, but yeah. So you definitely got a lot of experience and a bunch of different things in fashion. And ultimately from those experiences, you got the buying experience. And from that, did you kind of figure out like, oh, I want to be a buyer? Yeah, the interesting thing about buying is that it definitely looks to both sides of your brain. So it's very mathematical, financial, strategic, which I loved. I didn't mention this previously, but my I also did a minor in business at Ryerson. So I always knew that I wanted to kind of find something that I, where I could use both sides of my like skill set. And then the other half is that like creative spirit, passion for trend forecasting and that kind of thing. So buying really was the perfect storm of those two forces for me. And it's it always keeps you on your toes. That's one thing about buying every day is something new. And you know, you just really have to, it's definitely a sink or swim and you just kind of have to go with the flow at all times. That sounds so exciting, but also so difficult at the same time. So when you notice the sales of a product start to decrease, how do you approach that issue? Yeah, I mean, that's just like, it comes with the territory, you know, like as a buyer, you take a lot of risks and we rely a lot heavily on our selling and things like that. But in the case when something isn't performing, you know, it's my job to really act fast. And typically if I don't see a product performing within the first like month or two on the floor, I take immediate action. You know, I think the foundation of being able to make quick, um, fast decisions really is based on and speaks to your relationship with your vendors and kind of your negotiation skills and abilities to whittle your way and figure out a strategy to offset an issue that you might have. So, you know, some of the tactics that a buyer would take would be like, you know, initiating um, an end of season agreement when you like would send the product back or swapping into product that maybe has a high sell through or, you know, things like that. You just have to have like be very keen and have that like financial objective and strategic thinking always at the forefront. But it's, it happens all the time. <laughs> happens every day. I bet because things are constantly changing. So it's hard to know what's going to do well if it's a new product or anything like that. So what's like the first thing you consider when buying a product? There's definitely a multitude of factors. Like I was saying previously, you know, I always rely on my past selling. You know, maybe we've had something in a similar color, a similar silhouette, a similar from a similar brand at like a comparable price point, things like that. So that I would rely on that information to kind of guide me into, you know, potentially how many units I wanted to buy if it's a top investment, things like that. I also look at the industry trends, like say we have a strategy to go after, in my case for shoes, like pumps or, you know, evening silhouettes, like does that kind of fall into that? Is this what our customer is going to be looking for? We also really look at like the price point, the quality. Those are obviously like top of mind. My customer is always in the forefront of my mind whenever I'm buying something. I'm always trying to think of like, is this going to excite her? Is this going to be like something that she wants to add to her wardrobe? And then I think the final factor that a lot of people, and especially in my particular role is super important is that we have a brick and mortar presence and you know the stores are really the people that are at the forefront there the ones that are dealing with the customers they're the ones that are getting us insights so really relying on their feedback and sharing you know what we're seeing with them and getting kind of gauging um, excitement based on their reaction to things so like I said numerous factors and lots of risk involved typically but you know you can always kind of find a way you just need to have some sort of groundwork done to rationalize why. Yeah, that kind of answers my next question as well of how do you forecast consumer behavior? 
So you said that you kind of get the feedback from the customers. You understand the products that they have been looking for, I guess. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about it is that I put myself in the customer's shoes. I am a customer, you know what I mean? So I think that's important. Speaking to peers and, you know, understanding what are your friends looking for? Like, is there something that's exciting them? Is there something that like your team members are asking you questions about things like that? And then I think on the other side, it's also really being involved in like the cultural zeitgeist of what is going on around you at the moment. So whether that's like in pop culture, news, politics, everything. Those are all factors that contribute to wanting to buy a product and understanding like the trends and where something is going potentially. Yeah, absolutely. So currently speaking, from your experiences, what you've been seeing, what are some products that you think are currently popular and why do you think that? So what are some products that you see like flying off the shelves? It's really interesting coming out of like post-pandemic life, you know, as a buyer, you really have to forecast almost a year in advance of what the customer's mindset is going to be. So during pandemic, that was very difficult, you know, not knowing when things were going to open and all of that was definitely a huge challenge. But with that comes a lot of excitement, right? She, our customer, you know, when we speak about her, him, we are like thinking about what they want to be doing. And in our case, something that I think is like, and that we are all seeing is just this shift towards dressy, wanting to go out like evening styles. She wants in my case, pumps, she wants shoes. She's like, she wants to go out. And I kind of mirror that sentiment. So that's kind of what we're seeing. It's definitely an exciting transition before pandemic. What I was seeing, everything was very much like status quo, very much driven by products that maybe more basic, casual. And during the pandemic, that was definitely the course of action. But now she's like ready to go. (laughs) They're ready to go out. That's definitely the trend. Honestly, same here. I've been wearing sweatpants all day, every day. And now I'm just like, I want to dress up. I want to go out. So that definitely makes so much sense. I've been buying so many dresses just because... Yeah. And there's also like adding on to that even further. There's just like this, I feel like, and I don't know if you feel the same, but there's just this desire for like nostalgic elements to things. And the Y2K trend, like this millennium trend is definitely huge and something that we're seeing. I mean, we saw it all over the runway with Miu Miu. It's definitely the, was the collection of the season. And we're definitely going back there, which is kind of exciting as like a millennial baby. It is so exciting. I grew up in that era. So it's just like, I remember things. I didn't necessarily wear them, but I remember seeing teenagers on TV wearing all of that. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to be them. Yeah, exactly. It's this nostalgic quality. And it's funny that if you look at the trend cycle and the adoption curve, like maybe five years ago, it was very much the 90s. Everyone was wearing like brown lipstick and wanted to have, you know, chunky platform boots on. And now it's kind of like shifting into this completely different universe. And it's very fascinating how things are so cyclical. Yeah, no, for sure. So what do you consider more important when buying a product to ultimately benefit the company as a whole, like the price or quality or both? And why? 
It's definitely a mixture of both. Both are so, you know, seamlessly important and go hand in hand. For an accessible product, a product that's at a lower price point, you definitely still want to make sure that there's quality. And that's something that you definitely have to navigate as a buyer, which has been quite challenging during the pandemic because we haven't had that ability to go and touch and feel things, see things in person. Everything is very virtual. And then at the same time, when you're assessing a product that's maybe at the higher of like the price point scale, you want to make sure that they're like the quality is enough to compensate for that. And it's not just, you know, going to be sitting there as like this multi thousand dollar item that, you know, nobody wants and it's very specific. So they really do go hand in hand. And it's something that, you know, as a buyer, you kind of have to do a bit of balancing. I feel like that is definitely very difficult because I feel like when people think like an affordable item, they think cheap quality. So you don't want there to be cheap quality, even though it's affordable. And you don't want the consumer to also think that it's cheap because it's affordable. And that goes the same thing with high end luxury. You think, oh, it's going to be the best quality ever because it's so expensive. Meanwhile, that's not always the case. Exactly. Yeah. And as a buyer, it's really your job to, like I said, think with that customer at the forefront of your mind and make sure that our job is to find the best of the best to offer to that customer, right? So it's crucial. Absolutely. So what do you think are the most important skills for a buyer to possess and why? Yeah, like I was saying previously, it's definitely this like balancing act of, you know, the left and right sides of your brains, very much analytical and very creative at the same time, which is definitely it takes like a different type of person to understand and have both of those qualities. Um, with that being said, it really is dependent on what type of product or commodity it is that you're buying, right? So if you're buying, you know, high end goods, it is very important that you have that keen eye for trend and what's next versus maybe in a business where things are like not to say mass produced, but, you know, just produced in larger quantities or at a more affordable price point and the turn is a lot higher, the rate of sale, that's when you kind of have to really hone in on that other side of your brain, that analytical, like financial side. But both are truly so important. And, you know, I've never used a calculator more in my life. You, you know, as a kid, you're just like, I'll never do this again. And I'm like, actually, yes, the calculator app is my number one app on my phone. And it's It's my like prized possession. I like, I rely on it's my life source. So no, it's definitely a balance of both. So definitely having those analytical and creative skills. Absolutely. And then they just tie together. Yes. It has to be the perfect marriage of both truly. So what do you think is the biggest challenge you faced as a buyer and how did you overcome it? And like, you can give examples Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the biggest challenge that was just so unexpected was the pandemic, right? And I feel like we're going to be talking about this for decades and decades on end. But truly, it was one day life is completely normal. And then the next day, completely a totally different daily routine. So that from a buying perspective is such a challenge because we're trying to forecast out in some cases up to a year in advance, like I said, and not knowing what our world will look like next week, let alone in a year. And now two years down the road, it's 
definitely been a massive, massive challenge for any business. And, you know, it really like makes you think on your feet, think very quickly. And yeah, you have to just like figure it out. You know, you have to think about what's going to happen in a couple of months and try to plan it like as best as you can and think about put yourself in the customer's shoes as always and think about what you're going to be looking forward to or want in in the next season basically that's definitely been a major major challenge um like i said before we were buying it was casual product and then all of a sudden with the flick of a switch you know lockdowns were lifted and everybody wanted heels and was ready to like hit the town and go out for dinner and go to the club and all of this and travel and you just have to really be prepared for anything at any given time with the way that the world is right now it's it's wild It's crazy right now. I can only imagine how stressful that must have been when everything, it was like, oh, I'm only looking for things to wear at home to instantly, once restrictions were lifted, like everyone's ready to go out, everyone's ready to dress up all of a sudden, and they go out to stores looking for those kinds of clothes. And it's like, wait, where is it? Exactly. And even on top of that, it's as much that, but then there's, you you also need to realize that like the thing, these things are like, there's delays with production. There's delays at the factories because so-and-so's got COVID and then they have to shut down the factory for three weeks and then your shipment's delayed. And so there's numerous factors that, you know, really played into it. And to the naked eye, the consumer's eye, you're just like, why can't I find a pair of shoes or a dress to wear to this person's wedding or to dinner or to the bar? And like, you never know. It's really because of the whole like chain. It's like a chain reaction. Yeah, totally. The supply chain was definitely impacted majorly, majorly. So now with like COVID into play, would you say that that is kind of the most difficult aspect of the job now? Or are there any other difficult aspects to the buying role? I mean, COVID was definitely the biggest change for anyone. I mean, we hadn't gone through a mass pandemic for a hundred years, so nobody was definitely predicting that. But no, I think just The challenges with buying is, you know, as much as COVID was on such a large scale, you know, little shifts happen every single day and trends change and what you're buying a year ago is maybe not what the customer wants, which kind of circles back to the conversation about how you mitigate risk. And that's just the buyer's journey. It's very much a cycle. It goes round and round and round. And you have to just be prepared at any given time to, you know, think on your feet and do the next thing, which is it's a challenging role. It's absolutely challenging. You, We always say we like we wish we had our crystal ball with us when we were doing the when we were buying, you know, a year ago or whatever. But that's just the way that it works. And sometimes it gives you gold and sometimes it gives you coal. It's just depends on the day. Definitely. So you mentioned like the Y2K trend is back. So based on the patterns you've been seeing, what do you think are going to be trendy this year or next year? Yeah, well, I think the exciting thing about this job is that, you know, right now I'm buying for October, September and October of 2022 of this year. So I really, you know, at this point as a buyer, you really know what's going to be, what's what's going on. And obviously little things in culture can kind of change that in any given moment, but it's very much impacted and affected by pop culture at the moment. It's just crazy, you know? You see a celebrity where it's, you know, somebody comes in and shows you a picture of a celebrity and says, I want this outfit. I want the from head to toe, like, give me everything. And you're like, oh my God, that was not the, you know, the strategy for the brand or was not what, you know, we were, we were like keen on buying or whatever. So then you have to go and like chase it 
try to get into stock with the vendor. And then, you know, so that's one thing. But, you know, in terms of trends, it's definitely, like I said, the nostalgia Y2K millennial trend. Then on the other side, I think that that's being fueled by these super relevant TV shows and things that are going on like Euphoria and the revival of Gossip Girl and things like that, that really play into things. And for me, I think the things that excite me are gender fluidity in fashion, really nothing belonging to one gender, everyone just wearing what makes them feel best. That's like, I think the most freeing thing. Also, So there's like this kind of cool, like preppy vibe that's going on, you know, cardigans, we're seeing the revival of the Mary Jane, which is something that I'm super excited about. And I think is so cute. And yeah, it's just kind of those things also coupled with sustainability being a key initiative for every buyer out there, you know, trying to make sure that we're making the world a better place, even though, you know, we're buying these crazy amounts of product and just hoping that people will like love it and hold on to it rather than moving through it and on to the next. But then with that comes, you know, another trend, which is this circular business model, which we see through these like vintage retailers or, you know, designer pre-owned in the pre-loved market, which I think is super cool and such a good way of doing something to kind of offset all of the product that, you know, you're putting out there. So trying to keep up with trends, obviously you're going to be shopping for that, but you're also probably going to be like shopping for pieces that are trendy, but could still definitely be held on for years and years afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like, you know, there's no better feeling than going to a consignment or a pre-loved shop and finding something that's like 20 years old that perfectly speaks to the message that you're trying to evoke or portray through your style. And it's like such a wonderful way of doing that rather than not necessarily forcing you to buy something new off the rack, which is a really interesting learning curve for retail. It's definitely like we probably see sustainability becoming more trendy in a way, which is great. So yeah, and then we went back to the preppy style. I feel like that's not really going to go anywhere because it's so classic. It's timeless. And so you kind of already mentioned this. So my next question was due to the pandemic, what are some ways in which you've had to shift your way of buying? So that's probably going back to like, we went from comfortable clothes, and then all of a sudden had to shift quickly to going out clothes. Yeah. And even even just like looking at the job also it, you know, we were doing everything virtually, everyone was buying from a line sheet or from a screen. And you know, seeing that product in person post pandemic, you, you realize, oh my God, like I haven't even been living. I haven't even, you know, seen these, these goods that I bought a year ago. And it's so crazy and was such a huge change, but you know, it's also kind of a nice thing to revert back to the way that things were before, especially for this field, because like I said, it's of the utmost importance rather than going into your store or, you know, seeing something that you bought and being like, that is not necessarily what I thought it was going to look like, but we're going to go with it because hopefully somebody's into it. Absolutely. Because as a buyer, where do you go to look at the pieces? How does it work? Yeah, we would typically be traveling, I'd say 10 or 11 months of the year. And we're traveling. It's a very, um, it's a very like roller coaster kind of life. You're all over the place at all times. 
in the luxury sector, you know, you're traveling to New York, Paris, Milan. Those are like the key, the key cities, um, London also. And then maybe for like a more like fast fashion kind of industry, you'd be traveling to maybe like Portugal or that kind of area to source and things like that. So yeah, it's very much like you would travel there. You would look at the collection, pull an assortment and, you know, obviously you're seeing it in person. So you're like that much more connected to your product and it kind of, it lends itself to what you ultimately want to buy and where you want to put your depth behind and what you think are going to be the best sellers because you can't just buy everything flat. You kind of have to create you have to create a dynamic um, buy. But yeah, that's kind of the structure. Okay, so that's interesting. So then during the pandemic, that definitely changed the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. It was all virtual and it was it was very crazy. It was very crazy and very hard to schedule with time changes and all of that. It's It was an adventure. That must have been just such a shift. So then do you buy based on what you think is trendy at the moment or do you buy based on what you think is going to be a big seller? Yeah, I mean, it's both. You have to kind of understand the trend cycle and the adoption curve and understand that, you know, you will have customers that are very advanced and that are like at the forefront of what's going on. And then you're also going to have customers that want something that they've seen for three years on somebody like, you know, people on the street or their friends, right? There's there's just like so many different adoption time. So as a buyer, you have to ensure that you're buying for everyone and you're, you know, you have your best selling products that you need to keep replenishing, but then you also need to, you know, help the customer move on by introducing them to newness that will help progress your business for the future, I suppose. So yeah, you have to still buy for what people want right now, but also kind of be ahead of the game. And push and start to kind of like goad them and push them in that direction, if that makes sense. Because if a lot of them were just sitting in the same place and buying the same thing for years and years, and then people are like over it and someone else has moved on and then you're kind of left in the dust. But yeah, and also you have to think about your market and the Canadian market is very different than the American market and the European market. And our consumer is very much, you know, like a laggard. They are very... They want to see it on somebody before. They want that validation that that's something that that's cool or, you know, for the most part. So, yeah, it really depends on your market and who you're speaking to. Going back to like getting products from suppliers, do you see any part of that process changing drastically in the future? So you said that because of the pandemic, you guys went to virtual. But do you see any of that changing at all? Like any new way of buying from suppliers in the future, not in person, not just seeing a product on a screen, but like any new way of technology, maybe? Do you think there could be any chance for that to change? I think for sure. I mean, there's an element that will I that I feel will always kind of remain in terms of the traveling aspect of it. But I think even just looking at, you know, what Amazon's doing with their fashion sector and like how they've introduced these like really interesting shops and showrooms and things like that and how you know you see it from brands like Revolve where they you know kind of do these interesting like curated moments with across numerous brands and it kind of has a showroom feel which as a buyer you definitely do deal with showrooms a lot of brands utilize showrooms um, rather than showing it themselves it helps them with like have trained sellers that you know have a whole host of contacts and buyers and 
and things like that in relationships. But no, for sure. I think like it will absolutely evolve. This industry is ever changing. And like I said, every day is, is something new. And if anything, the pandemic has taught us that. So absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to keep evolving. Like we always think this is as good as it can get. But no, I think there's always ways to improve, always ways with technology, especially. I feel like there's new technology emerging every single second. So I definitely think it's just going to maybe be easier in the future for buying. Who knows? Like there could be this technology where you can feel the clothes virtually. Totally. Yeah. The crazier things have happened. Like you never know. You never know. Exactly. So to wrap everything up, what do you expect for the retail sector in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is definitely like post-pandemic, this whole new excitement around shopping and around retail and in the industry in general. I think one of the important things to note for a business that is a dual-sided business that deals with both brick and mortar and online, there will be more of a balance or a pivot back to kind of how things were pre-pandemic in the sense that during we had only one option or one way of shopping, which truly was online. And, you know, you were buying anything that you could possibly get your hands on through your computer. I think now that we kind of have our freedom back and our abilities to do whatever we want, I think, you know, everyone's looking for an experience. Everyone wants to have fun and people want to see goods and products in person. At least I know that I do even like as a consumer and as a buyer. And there's something special about that. So I think To my point, we'll kind of see things balance back out a little bit. Not to say that online won't remain important. It will still, I'm sure, remain super prevalent go forward now that we're used to it and everyone is kind of up to speed on this new way of life. But, you know, in terms of like the luxury industry, I do think that there's something to be said about going into store and trying on a look, trying on a pair of a great pair of shoes and a bag that really pushes you to purchase. And I'm excited about that reality. And I think furthering that from a completely different angle, I mean, to my point previously, I think this idea of being more thoughtful when purchasing from both a buying perspective, like a professional perspective and as a consumer. It's just so much of the utmost importance, truly. And everyone is so much more educated on what's going on, where their product is coming from, where their product is ultimately ending, that I think this like circular business model is truly the future, at least for the time being until something to your point that's more interesting and exciting comes out. That will be the case. And, you know, looking to vintage and shopping our own closets and things like that will definitely be like the new way since we do have this education. But yeah, I think it's an exciting time. And I think post pandemic, it's kind of got everybody's creative juices flowing and everyone wants to do something that's like super unique. And we're living in a new age. It's a new era. And it's truly a new world, which is so exciting from a professional and business standpoint. A hundred percent. And like when you were talking about shopping luxury and people wanting to go in to try on a pair of shoes and to try on a new outfit, I completely agree with that. I also think maybe shopping fast fashion, people are probably going to be shopping more online for that. But I don't think shopping in store is going to change very much because I still think with luxury people, when they go buy a luxury piece, they want the experience of going in and buying the 
luxury piece. They want the experience of being helped by a sales associate, getting that luxury experience. So I definitely agree when you said, I don't think in-store shopping is going to go anywhere because a lot of people thought everyone's so used to online shopping now. Everyone's just going to shop online. Stores are going to close. People aren't going to shop in-store. I don't really agree with that because you want the experience of buying an item, of trying the item on. And to that point, I think that things will just continue to evolve. And, you know, the way of brick and mortar shopping will just will change as it always has and become something completely different in the next five years and further itself even more in the next 10. There's just so much to look forward to. And there's so many innovative thinkers out there that are really challenging old mentalities surrounding retail and pushing it to the new level. And like I said previously, we see that with Amazon. We see that through some of these like Gen Z specific or focused businesses like Revolve. And yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see what happens. It's truly an ever-changing business. You never know what's around the corner. I know. I am so excited to see what the future holds. So with all of that being said, thank you so much, Paige, for all of this information and for sharing with us about what your role as a buyer entails, considerations when buying for a major retail store, and where you think buying is headed in the future. If you'd like, you can tell everyone where they can find you on social media, either personal or professional, so they can give you a follow and keep up with what you're working on. Of course. I mean, I'm definitely present on LinkedIn. You can just search up my name, Paige Peak, and on Instagram at the Page Style. Um, yeah, so happy to have spoken with you, Erica. That was really exciting and a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us again. And thank you for listening to Confidently Uncertain. Tune in next week to hear myself and Carla Criminese talk about the role of fashion in a post-COVID world. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our guests for joining us. You can find Confidently Uncertain on streaming platforms. You can also find us on Instagram at Confidently Uncertain Pod for staying up to date with all of the future fashion trends and inspiration. See you next time on Confidently Uncertain.